From the 305 to the 303, welcome to TCSP. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dr. Brian and the Casually Serious Band. So this naked blonde walks into this bar, right, carrying a twiddle under one arm and a six-foot salami under the other, man. The bartender says, I, I don't suppose you need a drink. And the blonde says, oh, we're on right now. What's up, y'all? How's it going, man? What's going on? Hey, how you doing? I'm I, doing good. I know I wanted to know a little bit more about what you were saying, but I guess we'll finish that later. Yeah, there's an good. ending to that joke. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely get to it, man. Ken, man, you just celebrated a birthday, dude. I did. That was, I gotta say, man, that was one of the uh, one of the better parties. No matter how late I was able to stay up or how much <laughs> I might have drank for someone who doesn't drink. Whatever um, the stories are, however they go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was a great time, dude. Uh, thank you so much, and and happy belated birthday from I'm sure everybody in the audience right now, man. Thank you, thank you. Definitely appreciate that. It was a lot of fun. I've never had a a live band at a party before that was that was pretty cool that was definitely pretty rad man pretty rad so we're here to talk we're, we're, we're you know we're gonna lighten up the mood and, I'm, and like you know i said a couple times i'm glad we had a, a fully lightened mood for your birthday we were able to enjoy it in right. spite of things that have been going on lately uh in the state of the world it was a it was a great time to sit back relax and and have a great time. So sorry we're for not live streaming either, because I know we told y'all we were going to do that, and that didn't yeah. happen. There was there was this alcohol started early, and we blamed it on technical difficulties. But that, that that's a broad okay. sweeping generalization in our line yeah. of work, and um, it yeah. worked. It worked. It did. It did. But it there were uh, there were definitely some things that were uh, technically difficult for us to handle that night. So. Uh, it wasn't a lie. It wasn't misleading in any I, way. But I didn't even try, so I don't know what happened. <laughs> honestly, what, whatever y'all did was great. Yeah, we struggled, man. I had I, we had you had a tripod, and it was just like one of those weird ones that kind of like move around, and it just wasn't it wasn't working. And then she actually rigged it with a rubber band, but by that time, it was just uh, it was just too much, just too much. What is going on, Cannonman Goat? Back, Tammy you, Freeman, Banheimer in the house. Brian, what's up? Sarah's in the house. What's going on? Good to see your face hey, as well. Sarah. Sarah's always repping one, one of the uh, one of the Cowboys ladies. She's a badass man. Thank you for uh, always always supporting from day one. All the stuff I do from Cannabis Cowboy all the way up to BDG and all that good stuff. But um, at any rate, we want to have some fun. We want to talk about some stuff that's going to make us laugh, or at least conjure up some awesome memories of uh, of laughing at one point. And, and today it, we're talking about stand up comedy, man. Stand up comedy is a for me, is a huge portion of my life. It started off. It started off a long time ago. We 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 both were just talking about. There's a couple records that uh that you and I listened to. Um, you know, probably separately. Me and Doctor Brian and I listened to a couple of those same albums ad nauseum. We can recite them front to back just as you can. Uh, and it was. It's just some of those memories. It's like the first time maybe you. Uh, well, for me, I'll go ahead and start off with mentioning um, uh, Eddie Murphy. Um, and we'll go back to the earlier guys first, but but 
Eddie, <laughs> that's that famous look for the topic that he can't really talk about right now. You know, back then, uh, dropping the f bomb, which really wasn't the f u c k word, it was how he made fun of gay people at the time, which was a completely fine thing to say back then. It's very hard to go back to that comedy and listen to it and not go, "Oh shit, what'd you just say?" <laughs> um, but, but delirious, raw. Those are some of the greatest comedy albums that that i first picked up and it like i was saying it was like sort of the first time i i heard cursing like outright like instead right. of from my mom's voice you know my from my mom's mouth or uh seeing it on tv it was a comedian deliberately saying these words in order to conjure a feeling from you and there were it worked you know eddie murphy fucking had me at, <laughs> you know it was just his laugh everything it was like i don't know man it's it's stuck with me forever up until this point and uh you know, we 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 can go back. We'll, we, I'll go back to, to to Lenny Bruce. You got? Do you have anything to say about Lenny? Well, I was actually going to make a comment about Eddie and you go talking ahead. about certain things that shouldn't be said or could be said. I mean, you know, George Carlin said that he thinks it's the duty of the comedian to find out where the line is drawn and then cross it deliberately. So that's from Carlin, the master. And that's why I feel like Eddie did that. You know, he he did cross the line. And certainly that line is different today than it was then. So he was able to still push it to that. I'm not saying that the difference for what the meanings are. I'm just saying it's different for, I guess, how you're going to get, um, I don't know, I guess, uh, run through the ringer, I guess we can call it in today's world. Because back then... Yeah. That really wasn't the case or the movements weren't big enough to create those kind of issues. But I, I still feel like he that's what he did. He went to that line. He crossed that line deliberately. And the comedian is, should be able to do that. Carlin. That's the job. That's the job of the comedian. Um, at, at any, it, you know, by any means necessary, get you to laugh, get you to get you to get a reaction out of you that, you know, it wasn't always, I'm sure there's political comedians, maybe like, um, Hey buddy, what's that guy? Dennis Miller. Like there's some people that are just so far like Al Franken. I, I don't listen to that stuff cause I don't get too deep in it, but you know, there's some people who really have a lot of deep politics in there, but the being, being offensive is what a, a fucking comedian is supposed to do for God's sake. I don't, I don't honestly, man. And I mean, it, unless they're like glorifying raping someone or like talking about the torture of children, which no one really does other than maybe one comedian that I will name later. Um, that, that, it, but it's never done like in a malicious way, maybe to get a point across in some way, but I think it's their job, man. I want my comedians to say shit that I can't say, but I always think, you know what I so, mean? And, and, so, and find a crafty so, way to do that. Right. And, and in a way, because it's an art in of itself, as is music, there's plenty of music that has lyrics about torturing children and doing all types of crazy <laughs> stuff. And it's not that those musicians are going to go out and do any of those things. And those words often get condemned by people at different levels, but you know, musicians do that as well within lyrics. And maybe it's easier, easier to hide that than it is when it's just you standing on a stage with a microphone and making comments about somebody. So you're being judged for the kind of person that you are right off the bat and comics are because you're selling yourself right away when you come out on stage more than anything else. Yeah. As soon as you walk out there, everything about what you're doing, you're being scrutinized. And people are trying to see if they're going to actually buy you and what you're saying. And am I going to listen to this person? And are they even funny with what they're saying? And how quickly are they going to be able to make me laugh? So 
you know, when you're a comedian, that's all it is. It's hey, make me laugh. That that is your job. And to come into a large crowd of people and try to make everybody laugh is a very difficult thing to do. And I feel like being able to push the envelope um, works in a lot of cases, but it's not for everybody. And that's why these guys, a lot of these comedians today, especially have followings of people, but they're not hitting the masses uh, like some of the old school guys did. You know, and I think it's uh, stand-up comedians are sort of like um, their own brand. So as as a, as a cigarette smoker would be someone that says, I always go to Marlboro, um, or a driver that says, I only drive GMC. There's a lot of fans that gravitate toward a very specific kind of comedian. So you'll have, and I don't want to lump them together, but you'll have a George Carlin and even a Lenny Bruce um, it sort of be lumped together and maybe uh, let's go ahead and say back in the day, a sort of misfit, um, not, I don't want to say hippie, a counterculturist for sure. Someone who's probably anti-government, anti-authority. They're going to listen to those particular comedians. Uh, and when you start talking about legendary Richard Pryor yeah. um, and, and Eddie Murphy, they are obviously going to appeal to the the black culture and what people, the people uh, of color were going through at the time when they're having all these uh, the issues and the, and the jokes. And it was all very much deflection. Black comedy was always, as most comedy is, a deflection of whatever fucking shit you're dealing with at the time. Go somewhere and watch somebody say some shit that's, that might, may even be talking about what you just came from, but you can still go somewhere and laugh about it. And that's that's the escape we all want from, from comedy. At least something that I, when I first started listening to it, I got hooked on that. I was like, I'll always be listening to the comedians. I hope they're around forever. I don't really know if I thought they would be, but... Um, yeah, man, stand-up comedy has been an important part of my life, uh, for my entire life, man, as, as it has been you, man, we're, we're, we're a couple of funny guys. Um, but, (laughs) and if you even go back to, to, I'm sorry, but Bill, Bill Cosby, I mean, because he had humor that obviously we were allowed to listen to before we were supposed to be listening to Eddie Murphy and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, you can go back to a lot of the stuff that he did and we all remember these, we could sing the chocolate cake song and all that stuff. I mean, Bill was great with what he did and his, his comedy was the exact kind of comedy um, that was for that time I thought was perfect because it definitely was something different than what was coming out of Richard Pryor's mouth and <laughs> out of Eddie Murphy's mouth, which I appreciated, but I know not everybody did. So being able to do comedy without um, using, without being vulgar is, uh, is also a, a completely different monster that you don't see as much today. I'll tell you what, I'm glad you mentioned that. And he, this guy's, what I'm trying to do is I listed all these photos sorting, not, I guess maybe chronological order, or at least the order that I think they came into my life. I don't really know if I can tell you the first date of all of their first stand-up comedies. But um, when you're talking about a comedy, a comic now that is a throwback to Bill Cosby, I urge all of you to mm-hmm. to look up yes. Nate Bargatze. All That's right, the guy. That's I the guy. do not know. I'm glad you know who this guy is. There's a lot of people. We, I just think Jordan I and I stumbled onto him. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy, I've seen Jimmy two or three specials, and it's I was great, like, this great. guy barely said "damn it" maybe nothing, once. Nothing. No bad. Never words. vulgar. It's, such a great delivery. <laughs> it just, man, I was blown away. I was like, holy shit. It was just so refreshing to be like, wait, this guy's going to curse at some point. He's not. And he's yeah. very, he's very, he's just, his delivery is so impeccable, man. And yeah, if you don't know Nate Bargatze and you're looking for maybe comedy that you can watch with your children, you right. know, even though he talks about stuff, it's never really 
nasty or vulgar or edgy. No. It's, he, it's so no. innocent and fucking beautiful, man. You check out Nate Bargatze. It's, but it's really good. There's not a lot of comedians like you say, though. Like um, Bill Cosby was sort of the um, the standout in the middle of all that, simply because of what he was contrasting. Like you said, Pryor and right. and uh, you know Red Fox and the guys that were sort of right. out there making sure that fuck, fuck, dick, dick, fuck, you know, all the time mm -hmm. and fuckity, fuck, fuck. <laughs> that's just the way it was with them. Um, Tammy mentioned Robin Williams, and that's definitely, oh, yes, um, definitely. You know, some of these folks that were in pr uh, comedy troops or, or or stand up somewhere else, and they kind of blew up on the on the TV scene and never went back to comedy or stand up comedy until, but except Robin Williams actually did that after his career in in TV and film sort of slid. He, I remember, he had a, like a resurrection, and he was as friggin' amazing as I've ever seen him. Um, it, it's uh, he's another one of those guys, man. That's just you don't you don't get you don't get them a lot. Uh, they come once in a lifetime, you know. Who else do we have here? Oh, I don't know if any of you folks remember Wendy Liebman. Oh my God, man! Let me tell you, she she had this weird. It was sort of a weird thing where um, she 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 would deliver the joke and then the punchline would be under her breath. Um, so like um, uh. I don't know. She'd be like, "Yeah, so my uh, my husband, he's a, he's a, he is a real killer, breath killer breath." And he, no. she just did these weird jokes, but it was the whole entire routine she did, and it was just so intelligent the way she did it. And she just always smiled the entire time. Her massive face and grill was uh, sort of taken over. But Wendy Liebman, one of the first female comedians uh, that I attached to, just because she was just such a smartass man, and I just dug smart ass, you know, smartass comedy. Yeah, no, I think I do remember her, and um, uh, she, uh, she was really annoying to me. I have a real problem with, I don't want to get in trouble here, but I don't find a lot of female comics funny. I, it's, I, sorry, I don't. I'm not a fan of Sarah Silverman. I'm not a fan of Amy Schumer. I'm not a fan of, I, 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 there's very few. There are some, but there's very few. It's just, I don't know. Don't, don't, don't yell at me. Well, again, <laughs> we, we will probably, you know, there's probably reason for that too. Like if you, if you historically go I'm back sexist. to the, That's what it is. no, well, if you go back to the yes. Paula Poundstones, the uh, Brett Butlers, yeah. the uh, Ellen DeGeneres, um, yeah. it was all very specific comedy. They weren't able to get out of this box as female comedians. And as we know, Ellen did most of her stand up as, not homosexual. I'm not going to say she did it as heterosexual, but she never spoke about being gay, acting gay, knowing gay people. It was very, and that's how you kind of know the the pressure for female comedians back then was real. It was real weird. Uh, and it, it's not until the last 15, 20 years where you'll have women coming out saying what the hell they want to say. Lisa um, Lampanelli. I was just going to say. like lady you, makes me laugh. She's there's hilarious. Absolutely, there's no way you can say female comedians don't exist out there now she may no, be no, a, a, an exception <laughs> right no 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 I'm, I'm not i didn't say that i don't okay. please don't let me think i just twisted ken man's word <laughs> i, I want to just this is separate from what he said i've this heard people business. say that <laughs> i've heard people actually say that women comedians are not funny at all no, no, um, and that then person. i'll how do you feel about this person amy schumer no don't find her funny at all i know a lot of men that don't find her funny. I was actually at this special. Uh, my wife and I went to this special when she told us it was being taped for her Netflix special. I find her to be a freaking riot. And and to me, it was never about like 
a woman being vulgar for the sake of being vulgar. It's really, to me, it's always about how you, how, how are you vulgar and how do you hand me vulgar? How do you platter it for me? And right. she always did it in a way that, that made me laugh. And, and the same thing with my wife, but I know a lot of people who did not find her to be funny. Um, Nikki Glazer, I think she's hilarious too, Erwin. Good call, man. Like she's, she's pretty friggin' funny, dude. And she falls under yeah. that Amy Schumer, yeah. um, Let's see. There's a few out there too. Um, Tammy Pescatelli. There's a, there's a few that that sort of all along that that line. But really, no one did it like Lisa Lampanelli. So the thing is, is like if you're gonna be vulgar, be fucking vulgar. You know, like you know what I mean. Like she's sort of totally, like the totally dice, vulgar. the female yes. answer to dice, where she didn't care. Like, oh, I'm so I'm playing with my husband's balls. You know, like, <laughs> and then she just does it in such a beautiful way that like she would get laughs before. Her. Uh, a punchline even hit, but right. you know, I think I think maybe you're right. It's always been it's been historically men, always. You know, going back, to, you know, Richard Belzer. All it's all men, and maybe they have a female comedian, but a female comedian it was always sort of like this. I guess you could say was sort of like at first a female UFC fighter. Like what? Right. Like does that happen? And then all of a sudden, once it once it happens, you realize, damn, it not only happens, it's, it could be pretty fucking amazing. So yeah, there. I don't think they uh, had a lot of chances. Um, so the, what we're seeing right now is the beginning of female comedy, the way we saw the beginning of comedy as a whole back in the day. I agree. I, I think I'm overly critical of comedians anyway, so it doesn't matter. Honestly, gender, I'm yeah. not basing, I'm not basing any of my critique on them based on their gender. It's completely for me about delivery. Do I believe you is how good of a storyteller are you? And I mean, those are the kind of things that are generally going to get people involved and there's some that are great at it and can tell a great story and can go on enough that even just the story being told is interesting to listen to before you even get to the funny part and right. there's also comics that can just you know like Stephen Wright and just talk under their breath and be completely monotone the entire I love that you have these pictures as soon as I say stuff you're awesome <laughs> and, and, and be completely monotone and keep that same tone the entire show to be like how do you listen to that but it's absolutely hilarious so it, it's just different stuff for different people and some folks could say that's boring I don't like his humor at all but you know this is why it is such an art and why it's incredible when it when a stand-up comedian can sell out huge theaters and arenas, that's just that's just incredible to be able to to reach that many people with your comedy. And and there's some of these guys that are able to do it. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, one hundred percent. So so give me some give me some. Uh, what's your favorite Stephen Wright? You Dude, I, I, you're on. you're I so mean, many. I mean, for me, it's the it, it's the way he uses, and, and it could be a number of things because he does this with a few things. But I'll give you an example: the way he utilizes the harmonica sound out the window of the car, and he'll tell different stories about the car and the different speeds this car may go. And then every time when he holds the harmonica out the window, it's going to sound different. But he just ended that particular joke with the harmonica sounded great, and it, there's no way I'm going to be able to tell it in any way that's funny, but. The, the way he's able to pull stuff back into his jokes as he tells them is one of the things I find incredible about Stephen Wright in particular, beyond the fact that he's able to stay with that same tone throughout. Um, very rarely do you see him crack a smile during his comedy. Uh, his delivery is incredible. And it's when he does crack that smile, though, you know it was just that funny because he, he rarely makes himself laugh, which I also find funny. I like when a comic right. 
up there and not laugh at his own stuff or her stuff and try to, you know, make people laugh because they should or do it by laughing as well. Obviously, Steven's a master at that, but right. um, just watching those little intricacies with some of these guys is really interesting as well. He didn't uh, He didn't really laugh. He kind of just would be like... Yeah, yeah, just smile. <laughs> he'd, yeah, he'd, he's exactly he'd blow right. into the microphone like, that's, you know, like that's what you get. That was, that, was his, that was his giggity giggity, if, if you will. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty crazy, man. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm seeing some names like, okay, so Kevin Smith. Actually, a lot of folks would say, well, what are you talking about? He doesn't do stand-up. He fucking does actually mm -hmm. do stand-up. Uh, yes, I've seen does. a couple, and they're pretty damn good. I've seen a spoken word sort of thing, a Q&A thing. No matter what, Kevin Smith's intelligent, so he'll mm -hmm. find ways to be funny. I, I think, and it's and um, I'll segue into something real quick, but Victor, you said Lucille Ball, Carol Burnett, mm -hmm. not really stand-up, but Two right. of the greatest comedic yes, women actually of hilarious. all time. Both so, of them, absolutely hilarious women. We're gonna let we'll get that. We'll let those comments fly because I I love those two women. They were my mothers Agreed. growing up, dude, Agreed. and uh, totally. raised me and taught me how to be funny, <laughs> dude. So, one hundred percent. Thank totally you. Totally agree that. with that. Um, but yeah, it, it, it female comedians sort of they, they definitely it was definitely tough to be in, in in the man's world thing, like you said. But how about this guy, man? Oh my God, man! Like I got, I so so jealous when you young. told me you got to see Mitch Hedberg live, man, yes. out in Miami. Yes, twice done. It was actually in Fort Lauderdale and Damn. in the same venue, but um, yeah, two years apart. And and like, he's he's absolutely hilarious. Another one with just an incredible delivery. Just being able to go up there and be that character that he is and tell his stories the way he does. Every part of them are funny. He's the kind of comedian that your your cheeks are hurting while he's telling a story. He hasn't even gotten anything funny yet because you're already smiling because you know something hilarious is coming. Or he's just, smiling the whole right, time when he's telling he's that joke. <laughs> exactly. So you're already into it because you're like, oh, he's already smiling. He's telling this thing, so he knows something good's coming. But he's he's absolutely fantastic. Definitely one that went way too soon because his stuff is so original. And yet it could be based on the everyday. And and that kind of humor is just, it, it goes beyond just intellectual humor where somebody's got to have enough intelligence to be able to think about something or a scenario that people are going to be able to relate to, you know, at, at large, and then be able to turn that into something funny where he's able to actually take something very simple that you would never even think about and make it hilarious and just that genius in of itself is, is, is why Mitch Hedberg is somebody that if you want to go just laugh now, just well, after the show, YouTube and go crazy <laughs> with Mitch Hedberg. Yeah, we got one. Uh, I used to do drugs. I still do <laughs> drugs, but I used to as well. Like one of those. And then what was the one that you said? Uh, how escalators can never break. Oh, yeah. they, they just become stairs. Just become stairs. Like, I think, and I can't I think do him as good as you. You're a good impersonator. You need to do the he impersonating. Just, so. He he just had this cadence. It was always the da Like it just it was always it was fucking very much like sort of a a, a Bob Dylan song. Melody. How it, and I think I heard him. I think I, I I'm for some reason I'm thinking I saw him in front of the Apollo crowd once. And they fucking loved him, dude. Mm -hmm. Like he just sort of didn't play. He wasn't like a a, a race 
comedian. He didn't play, and he at really all. wasn't. He was just sort of like this, and, and everyone was cool with with potheads at the time, and he was the right. the consummate pothead. So yes, you know, was. into black, white, Hispanic, whatever you're smoking cannabis, chances are. So he did. He was able to relate to all these different groups of people, man. And yes, obviously, yes, gone too soon. Drugs are normally a part of comedians' lives. I mean. <laughs> Wink, wink. I mean, I, and, and I'm not to say that I'm a comedian. That's something I wanted to bring up, too. I wasn't able to say mm-hmm. earlier. I know someone has probably said this to you in your life because you're fucking funny, too. And it takes intelligence to be funny sometimes, most of the time. A dumb comedy is still pretty funny. But right. um, a lot of people have told me, Bob, you should, you got to go into stand-up, dude. You're, you you got to be going to stand-up. And, and I would always say to them, that's fucking flattering. I go, but A, I'm not to say that I couldn't do it, but it's a different animal from what you're saying right now. Being mm-hmm. able to play off someone who's talking to you in a conversation setting with multiple people around. That's a different thing as being a stand-up comedian. I probably do very well at improv more than stand-up comedy, but you know, when people say those kinds of things, I think they just kind of, they're just like trying to say you're funny, which is always great to hear, but stand-up comedy, man, I've never been able to do it. I have never had the balls to stand up in front of a stage with a microphone and just start telling jokes. I I, I don't know. I, I I really would love to do it if I'm being honest, I, but it's terrifying, terrifying to think of. <laughs> it, it's crazy because it's, you know, to write material and to have material for stuff like that, it, it's again, not so much about delivering just a joke straight off the bat. It's being able to tell a story and it's being yeah. able to gain the attention of the audience. So that's, they're so into what you're talking about that yes, you do have to have a punchline, and yes, it has to be good. But yeah. the, but but getting to that point and telling that story is a big part of that. You know, and there's some comedians that'll just start just throwing out punchlines. I mean, like crazy, you'll just be getting them left and right. And there's other others that'll take their time. And those storyteller uh, comedians, I, I appreciate a lot because it it takes a lot more to be able to keep your audience. And, and let them know that something gold is coming soon. And it doesn't have to be where you're just going to throw so much out there that, yeah, man, some of it, they're just going to die laughing. Maybe some won't hit at all. But if you throw enough punchlines into it, you should get enough laughs. But, you know, you're searching for a certain amount of laughs in a short period of time, and you got to play off of everything that you're doing. Um, it, it's got to be one of the hardest things to do, no doubt. I, I certainly don't think I'd ever even attempt to do it. I do though believe you would be fantastic at it. Uh, just a lot of, a lot of the animation and stuff is great, but um, you know, maybe we'll work together on, uh, on some punchlines and we'll get you in front of a crowd one day. Yeah. Yeah. That might be it. That might be it. You need a good writer. That's all you need. Right. And, and I, and I, and I, I know it's funny, but, but knowing what's funny and being able to craft funniness is right. very different. As much as I've been able to write lyrics and songs in my life, it's still very different, man. And, I, I just never have never attempted it for some reason. Maybe I just resigned to the fact that, like I said, <clears throat> it's just a, uh, it's just um, you know something I had never tried. And you know, responding to a heckler, I think might be something that would be easy for me to do as well. That hmm. uh, might I might get fun. a little fucking vicious, actually, if I'm being honest. I, I feel like I get myself in a lot of trouble in that in that manner. But um, you know, there's other comedians too, man. Like I was saying, there's genres. We've got like the pothead sort of comedy that Mitch Hedberg exemplified. Um, that a lot of people shared that I find Stephen Wright to fall in that category. And this man right here, the man, the myth, the legend, Bill Hicks. Uh, Bill Hicks, who would openly talk about uh, LSD and mushroom trips and part of his comedy and, and, and try and clue you into things that you might not want to hear about 
the government trying to fool you or trick you or maybe teachers not really being what they say they are. And the reason why they're taking this out of schools is because they're trying to control you. Like he was a little manic in some way, but I loved him because he was so fucking smart, man. And what he said might have been a little far fetched for some to understand, but I always believe what he was saying, man. I, I never felt like Bill Hicks ever told me a lie in his stand up comedy. Um, he was an absolute legend. Another one gone just really, really early. And I don't know, man. Um, comedians, like I said, they sort of have, we, you know, all think all comedic people have a way of turning to substances in some way simply because, you know, they're looking for the escape. And maybe sometimes the stage doesn't always give that to them. Or even if it does, you're not on stage 24 hours a day. You're maybe an hour a day. And then, so how do you feel that sort of rush of feelings that you get on stage when you're not there? It's usually filled with alcohol and drugs or also other. depends on where a lot of times where you're you're getting your courage from to be there and maybe right. also where you're coming up with a lot of your stuff and if you find that that happens when you're in a certain state then maybe that's why you're doing it and you feel like you get your material better this way you feel more comfortable you're ready to get in front of people it takes the edge off whatever it may be i mean i i get nervous before i come onto this podcast i'm sitting at my desk that i sit at every single day but uh you know whenever you're going to do anything you're going to perform in any way you're going to get nervous and yeah sometimes it, it does take those types of things that really calm people down enough to be able to get out there and do it look what richard Pryor admitted to you know so many years after um he had all of his problems and there's so many more that didn't admit to them and we lost as well because of that well, what is this? There's like a whole book on the bottom of our screen. Yeah, yeah. Can't imagine going, top. <laughs> he's, been, he's been going off. Uh, he's going off on something. I, I don't know. <laughs> I was trying to read it, but damn, I got to show it. That was a lot. There's like a book there. I did see something about oh, okay. Carrot Top and Gallagher, which I mean, I honestly, I, Carrot Top, I, yeah. And Gallagher, though, for some reason I liked. I don't know. I lived in Tampa. Was he from Tampa? I don't know, because it was like I feel like he was always playing in Tampa. So I feel I like there, he's a North Florida guy. I think he right, might have been. Yeah. I saw so many watermelon smashing things. I mean, it was funny. It was all right. It was different. You know, my, it's my, a different my, kind my, of comedy. My stepfather, Tom, was the one that sort of got me into comedy. He actually sat me down and listened. I listened to Carlin uh, you know, and, and, and Red Fox and a lot of other comedians at the time. Um, and he got me into him. He got me into a lot of the comedy that I was lucky to be exposed to at an early age. So by the time Eddie Murphy came around, I had already had a foundation laid for me. And Eddie Murphy just kind of fucking kicked that over and was like fucking, you know, dropping F-bombs and shit, like making fun of Bill Cosby because he didn't curse. Like that shit was genius to me, dude. And and then his reaction to telling Richard Pryor, would you tell him to suck my dick? You know, like, it was just, I, I can't, e I don't even know, man. It, I, one thing I do like with comedians is callbacks and being able to, for them to reference a joke they said earlier, um, not always at the end. I find that a little cheesy um, when a callback ha happens as like the last joke of the night. And I'm right. like, oh, great. And then they leave like, that's, that's my time tonight, guys. I just, I fucked you there. Um, I like callbacks. So I like, I like being, I like their act honed hard enough and smooth and uh and strong enough to that they have the ability to do like multiple callbacks in a in a in a stand-up session which is pretty freaking hard to do for most comedians but uh, as long as they're doing it in a manner where they're at least changing what the ultimate punchline is if you're just kind right. of bringing back the same stuff because it's getting laughs then you know 
that's really that's really just kind of like stretching more than anything else. The, so. and the good ones are the ones that are unexpected. Like oh, like I didn't expect that to happen. Like the good right. callbacks are the ones that don't right. fit that fit in a joke that you didn't expect it to fit in. And there you go. And, and again, that's crafting, man. To me, it, that that just shows me you are not just a guy who's who did a bump of coke in the bathroom to get some uh, to get some courage to go on stage, and you're saying funny shit in between your fucking paranoid jitters, like. It shows me you actually honed all this, and, and that's what I want to see. I think the best thing a, a stand-up comedian can do when they come out on stage is hit on that very first punch. That, that first punchline's got to hit hard. That joke's yeah. got to hit. you got to set everybody up to be ready to listen to the rest of what you got to say. And then the next important one is going to be the very last uh, joke because they're going to remember the last joke more than anything else. Um, that's the one they're going to tell everybody, obviously, when they say, hey, I saw this comedian, it was really good. They're going to tell you the last joke they heard, because that's generally the one you're going to remember. So don't screw up in the middle, hit on the first joke, make that last one great, and you got a perfect show. That's all you got to do. Be a great comedian. It's super easy. I got to tell you this, when it comes to the craft, the craft of crafting, uh, the craft of laughter, there's one comedian that I have, and I'm going to say this craft right now. Listen, I a love Eddie Murphy. <laughs> I'll have the carafe of laughter. <laughs> um, I love Eddie Murphy. I always will. Richard Pryor. I, I will always give those guys respect. The thing is, For this sure. comedy evolves just like music evolves. So right. while I while I tell you right now I'm a massive Slipknot fan, it does not mean that I'm still not a Led Zeppelin fan who's got me into rock and Kiss. I'm not. I'm still a fan. So having said all that. My so far at this point in my life, I think my all-time favorite comedian is this guy right here. Oh wow! Mm. I mean, so here's the deal: what Anthony Jeselnik does for me is he's able to mix intelligent, intelligent craft, crafted jokes to where you do not know what he's about to say as the punchline. It just doesn't work that way. He is so much smarter than his audience is, and. For me to say that is insane because I normally can sort of follow where a guy's going with his comedy. This guy finds a way to tell you in five different ways that he loves dropping babies that are handed to him. Um, like he's really, he has dark, dark, dark shit, but he just packages it in this very sort of very comedic thing. And, um, and to paraphrase one of his jokes, and he's like, you know, I wonder if I ever have the, it have it in me to kill someone, you know, to take somebody's life. And then I remember, oh yeah, Cindy. Like, and then it's just like you, so you have to, you have to find a way to, to connect the, uh, the joke and the punchline yourself with him. And a lot of his jokes fly over people's heads, but the times that we've seen him, which has been, well, I think we only got to see him live, but I've seen all of his specials. He is by far one of the best joke writers in the entire existence of comedy. The way that he writes jokes in my eyes. And him and this man, Bill Burr, to Bill me, are, are the two top comedians of our time right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't argue with Bill Burr for sure. I'm not as yeah. familiar, though. With the other guy, I would also argue Dave Chappelle. I know he's an easy one to say, but dude, come on, Chappelle's hilarious, man. There's, I mean, that's that's great comedy right there, always with that guy. And talk about great writing. That's another one that can do Jesus. that too. 
That baby selling, so much the baby selling nickel bags, man. <laughs> oh my god, I was screaming when I heard that skit. <laughs> baby, baby, what are you doing on the street? Can I sell some weed? Like, oh my god, dude. Like, I, I, I remember. Oh my god, every one of his specials has been fucking gold, man. Every single right. one. Um, and and it, you know, you can see his evolution of stand up after you know, like there's there's skinny Dave Chappelle. And then there's now Dave Chappelle because he's right. definitely not a skinny motherfucker it's anymore. Stucky. But it, yeah, it's still he still has that. It's still Dave, man. And right. but the thing about Dave is he's so fucking smart, man. So yes. he appeals to people in a lot of different ways. He appeals to people who just want to hear that flashbang quick humor and, and and his watching his reactions and his animations. And then there's people who understand that there's a lot of intelligence behind what he's trying to say. And there's often often layered stuff coming out of that man's mouth. Right. Right. No, he, he, his humor is great. What's on, on top of that, though, it's, it's not just the way he delivers his humor. It, his facial expressions are priceless. And there's yeah. certain, only certain people can do this. I feel like it's just a it's kind of a born with it type of thing. But his facial expressions, he doesn't have to say words sometimes. He just right. he just makes an expression and, and you're dying. You're laughing. That that alone just tells you how much a, a comic sells himself as being a comedian. I mean, Dave Chappelle could never do any type of serious role. I mean, you have been typed. You are a, a absolute comedian in everything you do. So yeah. even in some of the skits he puts together where he tries to be serious, uh, it, it's just that much more fun. Yeah, he was in Blue Streak, right? Like he was at the very beginning of Blue Streak with Martin Lawrence being part of that, and that yeah, was one of the serious role. But he oh, was yeah. like a, like a crackhead or a crackhead thief or something at the time, and it was sort of serious. But he was saying funny shit. So yeah, but yeah, he didn't. Yeah, I don't think no. he ever did anything serious. No. Why would no. he? That's no. not just, his fucking wheelhouse. Yeah, you just don't do that kind of stuff. It's not going to work. You know, it's, everybody's got their thing. Ah, there's your boy. Yeah, how do you feel about George Lopez? Let me tell you, man. I. It, uh, when I was living in Texas, I feel like um, that's sort of when I was more exposed to him. And I, it might have been because of the, the major Mexican uh, population out there that I, that I had a lot of friends that turned me on and said, you got to listen to this guy. And obviously he was huge, but I just have I'm just I'm a big fan of that Mexican culture comedy for some reason. man. I don't I don't know what to say. It's fun. Besides the fact that it's funny as shit. It's just that. You, and I also got to say. Um, and historically, ethnic comedians, people of color, have have done a great job making fun of the average Caucasian. There's really nobody who fucking does it better than George Lopez, especially when he starts like, oh, my God, my daughter, Dakota. And, and it, just the way he does it, like, oh, my God, like, it's just he does fucking white people so well, dude. And it's such a caricature of like the average like Becca and, and, and Chad, you know what I mean? Like, but he just does it so fucking good. And uh, obviously, there's a lot of pride and and uh, Mexican pride in in his in his comedy, but that's that's a beautiful fucking thing too. And it's just always trying to find ways to show comparisons between all the different races, but laugh at every single one of them without making you feel he's siding with any of them, other than obviously the Mexican. The Mexican Why do race. white people always get de depicted as like this either uppity, oh my god, type people, or just like really dumb hicks? Yeah, I don't know. There's there. I, I get. There's I like no in between. There. It's like we're gonna go this way or we're gonna go here. This is. I'll tell you. This is how me, we can explain white people to you, <laughs> like this or like this. I believe those, those are two that are easier to imitate 
than just your average white guy. All right. So if you, if, if you, I think that's, I think that's the way that that is. It's like, I can do like, Oh my God, my, you know, back up. That's like fair crazy. Like you can do that or then, yeah. And, and then you've got like, just, uh, Oh my God, you know, like that guy, Chad, like, here we those, are. Those, yeah. And those are funnier. It's funnier oh, than yeah. like, yo, dude, what's going on, dude? Like, you know, that's not that funny. It's it's more true, but it's, it's not as funny. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Good answer. At least in my in my opinion. I don't Thanks know. Thanks for I, the explanation. I Appreciate it. That's just a fucking opinion. I didn't answer shit. I just mm-hmm. told you how I felt. How do you feel about this man? How do you feel about mm-hmm. Joe Rogan? Yeah, I think he's a jackass, but he can be funny. And I mean, he eats bugs and stuff. Have you seen uh, any of his stand-up? Uh, no, honestly, I've never watched any stand-up of Joe Rogan before. I've seen him live. I think Jordana, Jordana I've seen him three times live. Mm-hmm. He's he's an absolute fucking machine. He's a riot. He is insane. It is it is impossible for me, uh, and I guess because com- comedy is a very personal thing. We all have our brand. Uh, for him, for me, seeing him live is a fucking treat, man. Because he's so frenetic. He's just so. He, he and he so believes what he's saying it makes you makes you believe what he's saying as well but obviously he's telling lies most of the night because that's what comedy is it's just <laughs> bullshit to make you laugh but right. you believe in it because he's so he's so crazy and bug-eyed and the way that you hear him on his podcast or have seen him and the amazing news radio or anything else he might have done is completely different than his stand-up i urge anyone who might hate the man to at least watch his stand-up and be like realize that he's just like he loves taking shrooms and trips out and smokes weed and talks about shit that you want to hear as someone who's a fan of current comedy so give it a shot man rogan rogan's pretty good man he's uh he's one of the best out there in my opinion man what do you what what do you what do you who do you feel is one of the greatest out there right now no that's why i still am gonna go with Chappelle as far as my favorite right now like straight away i mean that that's my guy i mean it's been he's just always always been able to make me laugh consistently and you know with murphy it was you know he put out delirious he put out raw and and they're hilarious you know but with with the guys like today and of course with what the type of shows you can often sketch comedy all this other kind of stuff you could put out so much more Chappelle's catalog is ridiculous it's just insane there's just so much and i feel like that alone you've got to give this guy props for this i mean to to write any kind of comedy, just to write one sketch that's funny, he just consistently comes back with more and more of it. I know he's got help too, but still, at the end of the day, that guy has to make you know everything kind of work for his shows and does to flawlessly to me. I mean, every part of it is funny, from the way things are set up to his delivery, to his tone, to his pitch, to what he to how he's able to relate with the audience, his eye contact, all of it. It, it. When you just try to break down a comedian in general, this is one of the most relaxed individuals you'll see on stage. And take him away from his sketch comedy or anything like that, just put him on stage by himself with a microphone, and, and you really see that uh, at that time more than anything else. I, I don't mean to keep going back to him, but if you ask you know, for today, um, that that's the guy, you know, and there's plenty of other guys in the past that I think uh, we lost too soon that we could have seen so much more from. I know we talked about Mitch Hedberg. I think Bernie Mac is another guy like that. I absolutely love Bernie Mac. I think that's another guy because of his intelligence um, would have been able to do so much more even beyond, you know, just stand up comedy. Um, you know, Greg Geraldo. I miss Greg yeah. Geraldo, man. He was, he was, He's, he he was he was pretty witty too, man. He said some he was he, real funny shit, man. He was able to sort of toe that line 
with like Italian and Hispanic and sort of play between a lot of those different things and a lot of those different races. Um, but he was, you know, he's gone too soon, man. There's a, there's a lot out there, man. Fuck. There's there really is. Oh, I mean, it, even Chris Rock and Kevin Hart, um, I know they're, they're more popular today in today's circles. I'm not a huge Kevin Hart fan. Uh, Chris Rock's uh, first couple of stand-ups are absolutely hilarious. Uh, I, I honestly haven't seen a lot of his more recent stuff, but he's seen- Where's the other condom? Where's the other condom? <laughs> yeah, that was fucking gold, man. Hilarious. Was, yeah. Hilarious, yeah, he's, hilarious. So he's he's got to be up there with what he's done and, and, pro- and still doing. I mean, he's still relevant. I'm just, you know, I'm not up on what he's done recently, but- you know, the, these guys are still out there doing this stuff. And and it is. It's a very tough, uh, tough job to do. It's hard to get out there and, and, and do this kind of comedy in front of people like this. And I have a lot of respect for it. I love going to comedy clubs. I got a, a couple friends on, a, on the local circuit uh, that I never go to see and I feel terrible about. And I really should do it more often. Um, and, and just seeing some at local comedy clubs anyway, just really opens you up to some new new guys. Ralphie May was someone who I really liked a lot. I thought he was hilarious. He died a few years ago. Um, and, and, you know, just some of these just younger comics that have been on their cir- on the circuit forever, but just eventually kind of make their rounds when they finally get there. You know, Last Comic Standing was a show that was on NBC for a while. I used to love that show. I mean, I, I guess not enough people watched it, but uh, it was a really neat way to see a bunch of uh, comics. Most of those guys are all been on the circuit in one way or, lo- or another for a while, but it was neat yeah. to see them all compete in that type of a competition. I-, I thought that was a really cool show. I would have loved to see something like that continue. Uh, yeah, it went to another channel and sort of died off. They, they had it, many seasons of it, but it, it again, it was out of the public view because it was at different places. We hunted it out for a couple of years. Pepitone was on there. Pescatelli was there. There was a few right. uh, Josh Blue uh, that I think sort of came out and blew up out of that. Um, yes, he did. Uh, yeah. There's a there's there's a good handful of them that made it out of there. So it wasn't like, uh, you know, like The Voice or some of these other competitions <laughs> that the winners don't go on to do a fucking thing ever again in their life. Right. Um, and I'm glad that you mentioned that because there's someone I have to mention <clears throat> in terms of uh, a, a stand up comedian who was actually uh, introduced to us uh, in a different way. Um, this guy single handedly did so much to expose new stand-up comedians to me as well as other stand-up comedians that might have been around for a while that not we haven't heard of uh and threw them on a game show and made them compete against each other for points that never meant a fucking thing and that is one of one of my favorite comedians chris hardwick um this tv show at midnight which when it stopped broke me and my wife's heart um this show was where you could go on and see ron funches go up against doug benson uh, in a in a fucking stoner trivia contest, uh, the show was um, actually funded by Thomas Lennon, who is from uh, the state, which uh, branched out to Reno nine one one and and all the amazing movies that we know from uh, um, from that camp. But uh, Chris Hardwick brought a lot of com- uh, current comedians to expose to me that I would have I might not have ever known about and. Uh, he sort of the, the show just got canceled. I don't, I really don't know why. And I know people were fighting to get it back, but there was just something about that. And and I urge people to look some of those episodes up. They're just so fucking hilarious. And he, he geeked out. It was, it was all very pop culture and, uh, you know, tweet of the day. And it was very relevant for the time, which was all, I think about five or six years ago is when it stopped or something like that. Uh, Hardwick did a lot for stand up comedy and he was a massive fan and we have actually seen him 
uh, one or two times, and he's really, really good uh, in, uh, in in the stand-up uh, setting that my people might not really believe, but he was great, man. Not familiar with him or that show, but I'll check it out, though. Sounds uh, I believe um, uh, the dating game that used to be on MTV singled out, right? I think that's what he was the host of, or Remote Control. I don't know. One of those two. He's from one of those control. shows. Yeah, he's, one of, he's from one Quinn. of those shows. Yeah, he was on there. Yeah, that guy right there. Yeah, he was. He, he was. Uh, he was from that too. So he had a weird start, and then went through. I guess this odd phase. He uh, he was actually the guy who uh, got his head scalped off in House of a Thousand Corpses with Rob Zombie. Oh, okay. At the very beginning of that movie, he was part of those uh, those guys who went to Captain Spaulding's House of Horrors. Oh, interesting. Yeah, very very crazy. But I like that movie. Yeah, man. I uh, what's uh, I've got tickets to see Bill Burr here in, a, uh, in in about a month, and then in the same week, George Lopez. I'm very stoked about that. Uh, we were we almost we had a chance to see uh, Nate Bargatze or not Nate Bargatze, I'm sorry, uh, Bert Kreischer at Red Rocks. Um, I don't really know. I think I was leaving that day, but he sold out Red Rocks. Uh, and um, I really wanted to see him, man. He's quite funny, man. He's he's a different he's a different sort of uh, less crafted, more of a storytelling uh, stand-up comedian, but he's, he's absolutely huge right now. And uh, I just, uh, we missed that opportunity, but oh well. We're gonna see. We're gonna, I'm gonna see Bill Burr at Red Rock. So who gives a shit? That's awesome, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Good stuff, Steve Harvey. Michael Frey says, "Yes, sir." Steve Harvey is another one that's just uh, an intellectual that's able to turn a lot of just everyday stuff around too, you know. And he does that uh, with a lot of family stuff, which is interesting for people who have families. Is there a stand-up comedian that that um? That, that gets on your nerves that you can't stand. <laughs> um, um, yeah, there is Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I put thing in, one thing in one hand. Yeah, yeah, I it, I think that was on purpose. If you hear him talk without doing that trick, it's quite amazing to hear him use his regular voice. <laughs> I know. I don't really mean that. He's actually not the, the voice that did annoy it's the hell out of me, to be honest. But but he was a genius though in what he did. So I, um, I I don't know. I don't know if I could say just one that that comes off offhand right now that I just absolutely despised. I give them all a lot of respect for getting out there and trying this stuff and, and anyone that could stick around this industry for a little while and, and just even have somewhat of a name for yourself um, that you're doing an incredible job. So yeah, I, I, I can't really look at any that I'd say like, there might be stuff that's just not my kind of humor and stuff like that. But you know, there's um, I'm, I'm good with all of it. You know, the, the wittier, the better uh, that, that dry wit is something that, I've always appreciated because I've been brought up with my father who was like that. And, uh, you know, I always felt like he could do great deadpan comedy. He would be fantastic like that. Another one who did good deadpan comedy who died today, Norm MacDonald, we got to mention as well, since he did die today. And he did get it. His roots, his roots are in stand up. So it's a, you know, it's a, this is another great Canadian actor. And uh, I think some of his most popular work for a lot of us is that those SNL weekend reports that, I think he just brought a different look to, you know, coming out of the Chevy Chase era. More interesting. I've seen uh, Kevin Nealon was kind of like that. I've seen him once. Uh, Kevin Nealon's pretty funny. 
yes, uh, from that same camp. Uh, right. But yeah. yeah, he he did he did he did some comedy that was sometimes too funny. That I think that's the reason why he got fired from that uh, from from the uh, from from the weekend uh, news or, or uh, because. They they just thought he wasn't funny, but I think everyone else thought he was, and it's just that we he people thought that he wasn't getting laughs, but he, he, he just was too smart in some occasions. He was saying shit that people weren't getting, and uh, they wanted to. Norm McDonald, yeah, 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 yeah. Norm yeah. did. I mean, a lot of Norm stuff too is he was just so obsessed with OJ. He was so over. Oh yeah, Burt Reynolds, hilarious. He was so obsessed with OJ. He had the dancing Edos as part of the things he would do, which was Judge Edo in the yeah. in that case. And he supposedly was getting a lot of pushback from NBC on the way he was pushing this thing about uh, OJ being guilty. And uh, supposedly that was a big part of it, surprisingly. But I do agree with you. He would, uh, you know, a lot of these guys obviously on SNL would do this anyway, and just kind of shoot from the hip from time to time. And, and that didn't always, uh, you know, go over well with some of the, the top brass, but, but Norm was just well ahead of, of what those guys were doing anyway, but he certainly, you know, carved himself out there and uh, was also a, a writer on Roseanne. I didn't even realize that, uh, you know, um, even before then. So it's a interesting dude lost too early again, 61 years old, man, poor dude. It's terrible. Uh, uh, go ahead. So, folks go out there on YouTube. Um, comedians doing impressions of norm mcdonald it's it's amazing especially whether on his show doing it to, directly to him yeah yeah you know like it's really good david spade does a really good norm mcdonald there's some that you've uh you you'd be you'd be surprised but right. uh yeah that it really sucks that's um that's too young and and uh he did hide it pretty well because he had a, he had a he had a show yeah he had a show and, and was just doing it and mm -hmm. we could tell he was getting older and his he was changing facially and right. um you know and I think we all knew he wasn't well but uh, he he certainly fucking soldiered through and did all those podcasts and you know having all the comedians on doing that that was that was amazing but that's that's who he is I I he probably died with a smile on his face for all we know man that just seemed Absolutely. like something. Uh, that we would have just assumed, but yeah, he had cancer. What kind of cancer did he fight? I don't remember. I don't either. They just said he did it privately. They didn't tell a lot of people about it, you know, just did yeah. his own thing and, you know, just fought the fight, man. But yeah, that's, uh, that was, you know, Hey, it fit. It was on our day of stand up comedians and, you know, he, he, he cut his teeth in the industry and in stand up comedy. So rest in peace, Norm. Yeah. We came up with the, uh, we came up with the idea of the, or I should say you came up with the idea uh of the um of this show well before we even found out about norm it right. just sort of happened that way it was kind of crazy but uh i i yeah i i i think it's i think it's horrible man but i i urge everyone to and especially in this time and you know anybody that might have lost someone recently or is going through hard times themselves man net you know go to netflix go go somewhere you can watch some stand-up comedy man mm -hmm. uh it 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 I don't know, man. It does wonders, man. When you know, when me and my wife are in dark spots in our time, in our in our head, uh, being able to um, go and listen to someone else just sort of ramble and, and do impressions, you could just forget about. It. That's the reason why we love going to see live concerts as as well as you do, and live comedy. It's all the same thing. It's an it's an organic in person experience, man. And uh, I urge everyone to just listen to some stand up comedy. Watch it. Uh, get it on a, on a different medium. Maybe just listen to it instead of watching it. There's, it's, there's another way to listen to comedy, and that's that's another interesting way to do it. Um, 
Russ, what's up, man? Coming in a little late. Good to see you. What about Bob Saget? It's absolutely oh, fucking hilarious, dude. <laughs> yeah. Because of the juxtaposition of his TV character versus because right. he, he basically came out with his comedy not not long after that show had dissolved. Um, and you know, him just saying the word dick was just like, <laughs> oh, oh my god, you know, but he goes you so fucking far. Yes, yeah. He, yes, He's, he does. Yes, he does. He's funny. His comedy is worth it. Yeah, one hundred percent, man. Yes, absolutely. Oh shit! Anything you, uh, anything else you wanted to to bring up with stand up comedy before we get out of here, man? No, I mean, I was just happy we could talk about a lighthearted topic today and something that we could look at and laugh. And again, doing research for the show today and just going through and seeing some of this stuff and just laughing my ass off at some old Carlin and and Red Fox and. Just some of the classics from prior. There's so much out there, man. It's really cool. It seriously is just to take a little bit of time and do it. And you'll find yourself just just dying when you see some of the stuff. Um, you know, a lot of the newer comics that are out there today that we talked about, some of these guys tonight. Um, I'm always hesitant. I don't, I'm kind of a the old school guy, whatever. I don't know. But uh, there's some really, Nate Bargatze, absolutely hilarious. The Bill Bar, these guys are hilarious. If you've never heard of these guys before, as I hadn't over just maybe the last few months that I've learned about them. Uh, they're hilarious, both of those in particular. Check some new stuff out. You really got to – and support these guys. I mean, it's just this stuff's hilarious. It really is. Got to yeah, laugh. And, and don't fucking, don't give them shit on Twitter. And, you know, you people who are complaining about what comedians say during their routines need to fucking get a life, man. Oh if you're watching a stand-up comedian and you get offended by what he says, dude, you one. might not have a sense one. of humor. Fucking, they, they lied to you one day. Yeah. yeah they, they said you were funny, you – Watch another one, right? Yeah, watch exactly. Nate Bargatze because he won't offend you all too <laughs> he much will not unless you just you. don't like family kind of things. And right. I don't know what he does. It's I'm not making it sound funny, but it really is. So check him out. Oh, Irwin, Patrice O'Neill, my me. man. Thank you so much, man. Rest in peace, Patrice, dude. Patrice was fucking hilarious. He was great on The Office, and he had very few lines on The Office. Right. Absolutely amazing. Oh my god. All right. Well, folks, we thank you so much for hanging out with us at the Casually Serious Podcast. We, again, as Ken Man said, we just wanted to kind of have something that we could talk about that will conjure up some memories of laughter and fun. Uh, things can be real heavy. Uh, I think a lot of a lot of folks right now are suffering with the sort of after effects of COVID with the second wave coming. It's sort of bringing me back to, oh, my God, I remember when this sucked in 2020. And uh, you've got to stay vigilant, keep moving forward with that uh, positive attitude, and listen to some stand-up comedy, man, or go yes. see a uh, go see a concert, man. Put on a fucking mask, uh, do what you got to do, man, and make sure uh, make sure you take care of yourself, and make sure you take care of everybody around you, man. And uh, if somebody falls in the mosh pit, pick them up. Um, Ken, man, love you like a brother. Uh, you, another brother. great episode. Uh, we'll see you next week, man. We'll come up with something else to talk about. If you guys yes, at any will. time go visit our Facebook page. Uh, the Casually Serious Podcast. Leave us some ideas if you want us. If you have ideas Throw about it, Joe, for God's sake, do it, man. We, uh, you know, we we, we it's, it's struggle. We struggle sometimes to come up with ideas, but uh, but we know, always life do. Happens. Yeah, we eventually will. So, ladies and gentlemen, have a great night. We love you. TCSP out. <laughs>